30 seconds and counting. The year was 1969. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. Date, July 20th. America and the world had been going through its most turbulent times in decades. 20 seconds and counting. But on this day, the entire world watched as Americans, for the first time in human history, set foot on the moon. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. A major scientific milestone and a huge achievement for the human race. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, But what one, if it never happened? Zero. What if we faked it? On this episode of Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat, the Apollo 11 moon hoax. everybody welcome to skinny matt's tinfoil hat my name is andy and i'm skinny matt and thank you very much for coming to our first episode very exciting right matt Ooh, oh yeah it's uh it's fun i can't i can't wait to do more of these the first one's any indication of what's to come so the moon landing uh pretty audacious of you to go for rocket science right out of the gate you know, if you're gonna hit him, you hit him big. You know, you you swing, you swing hard. That's yeah, no, no that, shit, no <laughs> shit. So what we're gonna do here is Skinny Matt is going to lay out the conspiracy theory, and then him and I are going to discuss it, and that's pretty much it. Yep, that'll be the show. Are you ready to do it, Skinny Matt? Yeah, let's get it started. All right. So, in order to really understand what the United States was going through at the time. We sort of need to take you way back to 1947. Now, this was the start of the Cold War between Russia and the U.S. After World War II, those two countries got in the biggest and most expensive dick measuring contest the world has ever seen. In 1949, Russia tested its first atom bomb making them a major player on the global scene. And now the tension really ratcheted up. Russia kicked off the space race by launching Sputnik 1 in October 1957, the first Earth-orbiting satellite. The very next month, Sputnik 2 is launched with Laika the dog, making the USSR the first to send a living organism into space. The US is now competing, but they were always behind. Russia is beating us to the punch in every way. It goes back and forth for a number of years, different animals going into space and being returned safely, different distances being achieved, but Russia is still whooping our asses. And in 1961, the USSR did something huge. Aboard Vostok 1, Yuri Gagarin makes a single orbit around Earth and becomes the first man to reach space. I think this is what prompted Kennedy, just about a year later, to make a very audacious speech at Rice University. The exploration of space will go ahead, whether we join in it or not. 
and it is one of the great adventures of all time. And no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind in this race for space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. The only problem was that the top dogs of NASA knew that it was impossible to put a man on the moon with the technology available. But failure was not an option. If we didn't do something big in the space race, then the Russians would. And that kind of failure would be monumental in the future standing of the U.S. as the biggest world superpower. So with the space race and the Cold War happening, the 1960s in America barreled forward. And a metric fuck ton of bad shit kicked off. In 1963, the man who had just told us that we were going to the moon, JFK, was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. President Kennedy and Governor John Colony have been cut down by assassin's bullets in downtown Dallas. They were riding an open automobile when the shots were fired. The president, his limp body carried in the arms of his wife, Jacqueline, has rushed to Parkland Hospital. The man who supposedly pulled the trigger, Lee Harvey Oswald, was killed by Jack Ruby just two days later. In 1965, the U.S. entered the Vietnam War, which touched off a powder keg of unrest amongst American citizens. Civil rights protests and anti-war protests all boiled over into riots in the streets. In 1968, Bobby Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King were both assassinated. Oh my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. It felt like the world was on fire, and nothing could put it out. Nothing except a once-in-a-lifetime scientific achievement that could be broadcast live for the world to watch in wonder and amazement. Therefore, it fell on the shoulders of the U.S. and NASA to tamp down all this tension and unite the world. But even though seven years had passed since Kennedy's speech, the tech still wasn't there to put boots on the moon. The U.S. government believed that this was a surefire way to bring some stability to not only the U.S., but to the world. Not to mention the bonus effect of locking America into the number one spot when it came to global superpowers. This had to happen. But if the tech wasn't there, what were their options? Well, it could be fate. There's a number of reasons why it was impossible for humans to go to the moon, and a body of evidence that leads me to believe the hoax theory. Let's first dig into why human beings couldn't get there. Exhibit A, the Van Allen belts. For the story of the hazards of Earth's radiation belts, danger that lie beyond our atmosphere, stay tuned to Science in Action. And now, once again, Dr. Earl S. Harrell. The Earth is ringed by two zones of high-energy particles. 
These areas are now called the Van Allen Radiation Belts in honor of the physicists whose work led to their discovery. The existence of the Earth's radiation belts presents a very serious hazard to future space travel. What is the intensity of this radiation? What does it consist of? How much shielding will the first space travelers need in order to penetrate these deadly areas of radiation safely? Basically, what these Van Allen belts are is a donut-shaped zone of energetic charged particles, most of which originate from the solar wind that is captured by and held around the Earth by its magnetic field. They are highly radioactive. Russia was aware of this radiation problem early on. We interviewed Dr. Rasa Vahari, who is a quantum physicist at the top University of China. He runs the largest moon landing conspiracy Facebook page. Here's what he had to say about that. Because a highly charged particle will penetrate through anything. And, and once it hits your DNA, your DNA mutates. The Russians sent two turtles around the moon back in the, in the 1968. And when those, those, when those turtles came back to Earth, they were completely mutated. This is a proof that the Russians were actually knew about this hoax. Dr. Rasavahari also has a very interesting take that the U.S. and Russia were working together to deceive the American people. Some people say, oh, they make the Cold War thing. Oh, there was a space race, the Cold War, the Russians would have blown the whistle. No, the Russians were completely aware that the Americans were faking it. In the NASA and in the Russian space agency, they were all like Freemasons anyway. One question that I just recently came up with was when did they decide to fake it? It's a very interesting question. And so I finally, just like a week ago, finally came up with the positive answer. The answer is 1962. What's interesting is, is you compare the nuclear race, the race for nuclear weapons. Okay, so in the race for nuclear weapons, America just took the lead, right? And they had millions and millions of more nuclear weapons. And then by 1965, then America uh, peaked out. They, they reached a plateau, right? And then eventually the Russians beat the Americans in the nuclear race. So there was kind of like an agreement. We'll let you win the nuclear race if you let us win the space race. For me, this really rings true for one very good reason. In 1975, we docked with the Russian space station and have been partners ever since when it comes to space travel. And now, let's examine the video footage of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Why was it in black and white when they had a state-of-the-art color recorder on board that there is footage from? Why wasn't a news organization allowed to record the moon landing procedure from the beginning? They were only allowed to receive the information given to them by the government. Seems to me because that way, the government could control the narrative of the situation. Here's a clip from the Bart Sabrell documentary, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon. It is clear from these rarely seen color television pictures that the crew of Apollo 11 brought a high-resolution color video camera with them on their mission. Yet the only pictures broadcast live from the moon's surface were these from a low-definition black-and-white camera. In fact, the networks complained because in addition to this, they were forced to shoot the images second generation off of a projection TV of the technology of 30 years ago and were not even allowed to take a direct feed, which further degraded the quality and clarity of the images. 
Perhaps this was precisely what NASA and the federal government had in mind. After all, it was a first, regardless of where they were. Better to open up their debut mission with fuzzy pictures and numerous blackouts, rather than show too much revealing detail of a false scene that was yet unproven. How come the film itself wasn't subjected to radiation damage when in outer space? There are so many things in space that can really fuck film up bad. Here's a clip from the documentary American Moon by Massimo Mazzucco that addresses just that. Let's take a look now at some of the real problems with the Luna pictures. To begin with, we must ask ourselves whether the film containing the Luna pictures has ever been on the moon at all. For on this film, there is absolutely no trace of what should have been the damage caused by the radiation present in outer space. Cosmic space outside the Van Allen belts is filled with radiation of all kinds. You have solar eruptions hurtling through space alpha particles, protons and electrons at over 1,000 miles per second. And then you have ultraviolet rays, X-rays, gamma rays and cosmic rays, which originate directly from the heart of our galaxy and are the most dangerous and penetrating of all. There's also the question of how the camera function under such temperature extremes. When it's known that metal contracts and expands under heat and cold, the camera should have malfunctioned at some point. Now, another piece of evidence. Moon dust. Why is there no blast crater under the lander from the force of the afterburners? And why did the lander arms look so clean and not dirty? Yet, we're to believe that the suits the astronauts wore on the moon picked up dust from them walking on the moon? And while we're on the subject of moon dust, I'd like to diverge from the Apollo 11 story for just a minute and listen to what Dr. Rasavahari had to say about the lunar roving vehicle, the famous moon buggy that was used on the last three Apollo missions, 15, 16, and 17, between 1971 and 1972. The, what's called the rooster tail scene, and the, the buggy is driving, and the dirt is coming off of the back wheels, right? So they call that the famous rooster tail scene because the dirt is making the rooster tail. But if you look at the, the man in the, that's driving the buggy, not a man, it's a mannequin. You can see his arms are like, you can tell if you zoom in on the, it's a mannequin that's in. So it's a radio controlled dune buggy with a mannequin strapped in the seat. You can tell by his arms and his legs that it's just a mannequin. <laughs> In order to help achieve the deception, I believe they orbited the Earth. And with the help of camera angles shot from inside the ship, they were able to achieve the appearance that they were halfway to the moon. What they have ingeniously done is placed the camera at the back of the spacecraft and centered the lens on a circular window in the foreground, outside of which it is completely filled with the Earth in low orbit. The circumference of the window then appears to be the diameter of the Earth at a distance, with the darkened walls of the spacecraft appearing to be the blackness of space around it. That is why they wanted the interior dark and blocked out the sun from entering through the other windows. So after the entire hoax has been successfully pulled off, there is still some aftermath to deal with. When you watch the footage of the first press conference held by the three astronauts of the Apollo 11 mission, just four weeks after the alleged moon landing, they are not happy men. They, the, the look of guilt and regret is thick in the room. 
When asked about how the stars looked from the surface of the moon, the astronauts say they don't recall seeing any. Possibly the most embarrassing moment of all comes when the famous astronomer and journalist Sir Patrick Moore asks the astronauts whether they could see stars from the moon. When you looked up at the sky, could you actually see the stars and the solar corona in spite of the glare? But not one of them, surprisingly, remembers having seen a single star by the naked eye. We were never able to see stars from the lunar surface or on the daylight side of the moon by eye without looking through the optics. Even Collins, who was left orbiting the moon while the other two descended on the surface, does not remember seeing a single star. I don't remember seeing any. If I was on the moon, I for sure would have looked up at some point. I mean, wouldn't you? Neil Armstrong himself has never done an interview with any news organization. And during the initial news conference, barely answers any questions. Maybe he saw the importance of the illusion, but couldn't handle the lying, so said as little as possible. Or maybe their lives and the lives of their families would be in danger if they ever blew the whistle. We'll probably never know. So the hoax has been pulled off. The United States successfully deceived the world when they showed the phony footage of the men bouncing around on the moon. And while we just went over some of the key evidence as to why I think this is true, we haven't addressed one key issue. Who could have pulled off such stunning visuals to make it believable enough? Who had a keen eye for special effects and even a sort of artistic vision? Well, it turns out it was the genius director, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, 2001, A Space Odyssey, was released in May of 1968, 13 months before the Apollo 11 moon landing. Kubrick was obsessed with details, and A Space Odyssey was no exception. For the movie's production design, they hired German-born designer Harry Lang who was new to cinema, but had been recruited by NASA as a head of its future project section to work on spacecraft designs alongside the rocket scientist Werner von Braun. But maybe it was the other way around, and NASA was the one who reached out to Kubrick to receive info on how to achieve the desired effect. Kubrick's sense of detail and artistry, and not to mention the already in-place interplanetary movie sets, would be the best way to do this. If you pay attention, you can see a transformation take place over the course of making 2001 A Space Odyssey. At the beginning of production, Kubrick is a young-looking, well-kept and energetic man that can't wait to shoot his movie. By the end of filming, he looked like a disheveled and unkept mess who seems to want to be isolated and left alone. I think it's because he knows too much. He knows everything, and this burdens him. Just like Neil Armstrong, it was eating him up inside. So what do you do if you're the greatest filmmaker of your generation? Weighed down by the guilt of the greatest lie ever told. You can't blow the whistle because you don't know what the CIA would do to you and your loved ones. You do the only thing you can do. You confess your crimes in deeply coded messages in the 1980 film, The Shining.
In the documentary, Kubrick's The Shining analysis, what he wanted us to know, the fake moon landings by Royce Kakami, he delves into this theory. At the very top of the film, we see Jack meeting with the manager of the Overlook about being the caretaker of the hotel in the winter. Here's what Royce Kakami thought of that scene. Barry Nelson, who plays the manager of the Overlook, while interviewing Jack, has an American eagle right behind his head. It is as if the eagle is the power behind the manager. Not only is the eagle the symbol of America, but it should be noted that the lunar lander of the Apollo 11 mission was called the eagle. To the manager's left on the desk is an American flag. Symbolically, the manager is the face of the government of the United States. Jack has cut this deal with the government to be the caretaker of the hotel. It should be noted that Barry Nelson is wearing a toupee, which makes him look suspiciously like John F. Kennedy. The manager tells Jack that his main job is to prevent the Overlook Hotel, that is America, from appearing like it is decaying. The manager reiterates that this is Jack's primary responsibility. There's lots of little clues like this throughout the entire movie, but there's one that can't be misinterpreted. Suddenly out of nowhere, the Overlook Hotel rolls the tennis ball from nowhere, the tennis ball that Jack lost earlier. It is a gesture, and the gesture says, Want to play? Mystified by where the ball came from, Danny stands up, and the audience finally sees what the nature of the secret project is really about. As Danny stands up, the answer is revealed in an instant. Danny is wearing a sweater with a crudely sewn rocket pictured on the front. Above the rocket, clearly seen on Danny's sweater, are the words, Apollo 11. The audience watching the film literally sees the launch of Apollo 11 right before their eyes as Danny rises up from the floor. It isn't the real launch of Apollo 11. It is, of course, the symbolic launching of Apollo 11. In other words, it isn't real. Why would Danny be wearing an Apollo 11 sweater some 10 years after the fact? This is a deliberate placement by Kubrick to show us that he helped fake the moon landing. He wants to tell the world, but he can't. He's practically beating you over the head with the symbolism. One reason you can tell that this is Kubrick's way of coming clean is the seemingly unnecessary changes from the Stephen King source material. One example is when Danny, after symbolically recreating the phony Apollo 11 launch, is lured by the Overlook Hotel into room 237. Innocuous enough, but in the original Stephen King novel, the room number is 217. Why this change? Danny is literally carrying a symbolic Apollo 11 on his body via the sweater to the moon as he walks over to room 237. Why do I think this? Because the average distance from the Earth to the moon is 237,000 miles. Now some people may argue with this and say that it's actually 238,000 miles and change. The moon is in a slightly elliptical orbit, which means sometimes the moon is much further away from the Earth than in other times. If you do the math and you figure it out, you can see that the true distance that the moon is from the Earth is 237,000 miles. Even more important to this argument, at the time that Kubrick faked the Apollo moon landings, it was common knowledge in the textbooks and the scientific work that the moon was 237,000 miles away from the Earth. This is the figure that Stanley was working with, and that is why he changed the room from 217 to 237. Shortly after this, Jack takes a drastic turn mentally and begins to spiral out of control, just as Kubrick did after he helped the government in the fraud against the American people. Have you ever thought about my responsibilities? Oh, Dick, what are you talking about? Have you ever had a single moment's 
thought about my responsibilities? Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about my responsibilities to my employers? Has it ever occurred to you that I have agreed to look after the Overlook Hotel until May the 1st? Does it matter to you at all that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me and that I have signed a letter of agreement, a contract, in which I have accepted that responsibility? You have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is, do you? Has it ever occurred to you what would happen to my future if I were to fail to live up to my responsibilities? Has it ever occurred to you? Has it? So if you think about it, Kubrick himself was represented in the film The Shining by both Jack and Danny. Danny represents the young Kubrick who is naive and innocent. And Jack is Kubrick after 2001 A Space Odyssey disheveled and cynical and like in the movie a young Kubrick reached out for help and wanting to tell someone what was going on but when he did it cost that person their life much like when Danny tries to reach out to Mr. Halloran Halloran are you scared of this place? No scared nothing here it's just that you know some places are like people some shine and some don't. I guess you could say the Overlook Hotel here has something about it that's like shining. Is there something bad here? And then Mr. Halloran gets killed almost instantly. <laughs> Which is another source material change. Mr. Halloran dies much later in the book. With all the film and photography fakery, the highly radioactive Van Allen belts, the guilty astronaut press conference, and all of Kubrick's shining revelations, it's clear to me that the moon landing was faked in order to achieve dominance. Also, you have to ask yourself, why haven't we been back since? NASA says that it's going to take even more time to get back to the moon because it's too difficult to do. They say they have to find a way to return, even though they've been there before. You would think going there would be easier than it was the last time with all the new technology we have now. It just doesn't make sense to the logical side of my brain. The info doesn't compute. It seems far more likely to me that the government faked the moon landing and then buried the info in an attempt to keep us, the people, under some sort of control. Those at the top just want a docile and stupid public to make them easier to manipulate. And the more we fall for things like this, the easier it is to keep us in line and not seeing the truth. I don't know what that truth is yet. Maybe it's to keep us under control. Maybe it's to turn us on to some sort of slaves working for money that doesn't exist and is made up. Maybe... The government wants us to get all nice and complacent so they can drop a real truth bomb on us. Like we're all alien cattle and one day they'll cull us for the meat. Or maybe, just maybe, we are living in a simulation and the ones at the top have figured out that they want to run the game. I don't know why, I just know that it's possible we didn't land on the moon. Nice job, Matt. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey folks, Skinny Matt here. We just wanted to take a moment to let you, our listeners, 
know what one of our missions is with Skinny Matt's tinfoil hat. Right, Andy? That's right, Matt. Our goal is to be 100% listener supported. We want to do this for a few reasons. First of all, we want total and complete creative control. We don't want anything to come between the truths that we uncover and our loyal listeners. We also think it's a great way to deliver some pretty cool stuff. We'll be posting all the interviews we do in their entirety, doing live Q&As on YouTube, and even sending you merchandise in the mail. You'll even get a personal thank you message from yours truly. But the best part is all of our Patreons will get early access to new episodes days before the general public. We also just want to give our listeners a way to support our podcast that we work really, really hard to bring you on a regular basis. The more support we get, the more content we'll be able to deliver to you. Don't let us down, soldiers. Become one of our Patreons today so you can show us some love and get access to some of the cool stuff that we have planned. Just go to www.patreon.com slash skinny mats tinfoil hat or find the link on our podcast webpage www.smtinfoilhat.com that's s as in skinny m as in matt tinfoilhat.com thanks a lot everybody now back to the show all right everybody so we are back uh that was a great job skinny matt i have to say that sounded pretty great well thank you Thank you. I did a lot of a lot of, a lot of good research on it. It took me uh took me quite a bit actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 more work than you think, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's I I got, I got the same impression. <laughs> <laughs> it's more work than Trying you to, think. Well, you know, when you're digging for the truth, you got to dig deep, you know. You can't just Ooh. you can't just kick some kick some rocks around, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 true. That's very true. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I have a couple questions for you. Actually, I have a shitload, right. shitload of questions. Right. Sweet. Uh, first of all, I thought your opening was great. I thought the whole, I, I think that uh, conspiracy theories a lot of times lack a clear motive. You know what I mean? Right. I think that sometimes the motive is abstract. Like, uh, government just wants to control us, man. Like from from a from the standpoint of the conspirators, you know they're like we are going to pull off this massive conspiracy because, in a strange roundabout way, we will control them. You know, it's like right. it's unclear, and it's a little like scattershot. But here, mm -hmm. like you laid it out to where like faking it would be an option. Absolutely. Uh, for the record, I do not think we faked the moon landing, but I have some questions for you. All right. How many people do you think actually knew about the moon hoax while it was being pulled off? In the moment when they were trying to do it, how many how many people were actually like knew 100% of the conspiracy? Yeah. Like yeah, like ballpark. Honestly, I could say 10 people. I think if you had 10 people, 10 people or a little less, maybe even 8 that you could get away with because at, at in the heart of the conspiracy, not all the pieces need to know the whole puzzle. So you could share information with, with somebody that they wouldn't feel that they were part of a conspiracy, but they were still helping the conspiracy. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think that's I think that's know. much I think that's much harder to pull off than you think. Say um, you're a sous chef and you get a whole bunch of tickets and everybody wants the same exact dish. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Everybody wants a bur and it's weird. It's like a burger with an onion ring on it and double mayo. Yep. And 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 you also get a, a crazy amount of those dishes. Okay. Right? Say you get an say you get like fifty covers and it's like, you know, right when you're about to close. Yeah. That would seem suspicious to you. Yeah. Wouldn't that right. seem suspicious to you? Absolutely. Would you like go out and take a look in the in the restaurant? I would definitely ask the person that put the ticket in. Yeah. You would you would you would think something was off, right? A little bit, yeah. Something maybe they 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 hit a wrong button on the computer, or you know, right. maybe so the computer if, skipped. If you're working in close proximity with the astronauts and the conspirators, and you're like ground crew at at you know in Houston, mm-hmm. you're gonna know something's off because they're they are working so eight days, twenty four hours a day. That script would have had to have been flawless for the three astronauts. They had no wiggle room. No, 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 for everybody. Because if that script got fucked up at some point, I'm sure someone at Mission Control would have seen that fuck up. Before the Apollo mission ever took flight, right? Before the astronauts ever left space, ever left the Earth or tried to go to the moon or whatever they tried to do, they already had a simulation set up to replicate every single scenario that they could possibly think of. Right, but a, sim- a, a and, simulation but listen, with everybody? Like- but listen, it, but you don't need everybody. Who do you need? Okay. I'm saying what happened was they, you need they a stuck ton the- of, in, fa- in fact, I'll answer that question. Who do you need? Uh, an Oxford scholar, his name is uh, Dr. David Robert Grimes, uh, came, did a whole paper on how many people you would need to pull off certain conspiracy theories. He had, not only that, but, uh, but how long it would last based on conspiracies that came out, came to light later, right? So you guess around 10? Yeah. His guess is 411,000. See, that's how many people would have to be in on it or at least know about some portion of it. Well, yeah, but that's the thing is like, so all of the space technicians and all the people that were sitting at their computers monitoring heart rate and data, they were in on it, but they didn't know that they were in on it. Like they believed that they were working, right? But but with but there were also but there evidence. were also people like measuring like how far away they were. That had yeah, to have they, been they, faked. They were no, they were measuring that with technology that they were given that they had in front of them. Like there wasn't a guy out there with a fucking telescope watching the spaceship go all the way to the moon. Otherwise, we'd be able to see. No, but so someone would have to fake that in order to fool the person at Mission Control. And that's what I'm telling you is that they did. They already had. But there's so many different things. So many. No, no, no. Listen, there contractors were involved. In what? Like, in what? Building things, building things that needed to be safe on the moon. Okay. But if it never actually made it to the moon, how do those contractors know that it went to the moon? Like, 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 those people built all that stuff. They built the lander. They built the spaceship. They built the, I'm not denying that any of those things happened. I believe, I believe all of that stuff happened. Okay. 
What I believe, though, is that instead of it actually going to the moon, the three astronauts went into space, orbited the Earth a couple times while they're while they're broadcasting all of this information that they've already duplicated in simulation runs. All the people that were involved didn't know that they were involved. They believed they were doing something real. Like the janitor that swept fucking Hitler's floor was a Nazi, but he didn't think he was killing a bunch of Jews. So he's complicit in the in the Holocaust, but he doesn't know he's complicit. But he has in the no Holocaust. idea that he was complicit in it. Right. That's what All I'm right, saying. But, like it's the but same still, thing. But but that janitor works in close proximity. And that janitor, when he's sweeping up, he's gonna see some teeth in that shit. You know? <laughs> not, not if he's working. He's in gonna the see offices. teeth he's and not. like <laughs> He's not. You know? He's not. And he's gonna go. He's... Something's fucking fishy here. No, just he's like you would go. Something is fishy about this same order and fifty of them coming through right before closing time. I'm gonna take a peek outside. There's yeah, but, gonna be a but ton I, of fishy shit. This is where your your analogy goes false. Because if I go out and I go, hey, how come we got these fifty orders for this well done burger with an onion ring on top of it, and they all ring in at the same time, and my manager, who is my boss, goes. Because that's how I ring it in, and that's what I want. Then I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask another question about it. I don't care if the dining room's empty or full. I'm gonna do what really? he told me to do. S- Absolutely. Skinny Matt, the conspiracy theorist, is going Absolutely. to just drop it because my boss, who I trust and respect, told me to do it. So if you I'm were in it. on the moon conspiracy and you thought something was fishy and you dug a little deeper and you found out that we never really went, you wouldn't say anything. I I don't know if I would. I, this, that's the thing is I'm not saying that I dug deeper and found out that it was fake. Like I'm saying that I I dug deep and got told that I was doing what I'm supposed to do, so I did it. You see what I'm saying? Like like it, it, if now if I if I dug deeper and I found out that my boss was lying to me, then no, I wouldn't do it. I would say something else. But if that's not the case, like if I dig deeper and I'm like, oh, those are just he wanted those burgers to take home and shove up his ass. I don't know what he wanted to do with them. Okay, Uh, so let's get into the actual bit itself. Uh, The Van Allen belts. Now, I really only hear moon hoaxers mention the Van Allen belts, Uh, but we did figure out how to get through them before we sent people to space. That's that was pretty easy. Uh, This video explains it. Scientists determined that if the speed of the Apollo spacecraft was about 25,000 kilometers per hour, it would take about 52.8 minutes to pass through the belts. Based on that information, they found that the radiation dose received during that amount of time would be, at most, 11.4 rads, and that's without the protection of a spacecraft. And since a lethal radiation dose for a human is 300 rads in one hour, NASA deemed the missions a go. In the end, the average radiation dose on the skin of the Apollo astronauts came out to be 0.38 rad, which is about the same radiation you'd receive getting two CT scans on your head. So while the Van Allen belts are lethal, they could really only kill an astronaut if they were to spend several days in their radioactive vicinity. So what do you think about that, Matt? I think it's really easy to state whatever you want to state when you made the information up to begin with. Well, there's mathematical equations that are real. But they're, they made those equations up to make sense of what they were doing. Like, no, no. The, the radiation. When the, belts, when the Van Allen belts were discovered, we figured out how much radiation they produced. 
Like we knew they, that. We sent up we sent up rockets and we knew that. That was before we were ever putting people into space. Way before. It was in the 40s. Hmm. Well, I believe that. So we had that information without sending people up. But then why would they say that it was dangerous to send people through the Van Allen belts when it was because it's dangerous to leave people in the Van Allen belts. It's dangerous to like hang out there. Right. Because it does produce, you know, some nasty radiation. Uh, but you have the protection of the ship, which offers a, a decent amount of protection, and you can also go through weaker points of it. Like it's there's parts of it that are aren't as strong as others, and we also picked our times to leave when the radiation was weaker. They fluctuate in strength, and all this stuff is figured out by scientists. I'm curious to how they how they measured it, what they had out there to do that. Uh, they sent a, it was it was uh, Van Allen. That's how they got the name. Van Allen sent what was it called? A raccoon, a rocket balloon. Hmm. Uh, I think his name was Robert Van Allen or something. He it's on the video. He sends up a balloon with a rocket attached to it, and then the rocket goes off when it's in like near space, and it went into the Van Allen belts and with the sole purpose of measuring space radiation, and that's how those belts were discovered. Hmm. Interesting. Which seems totally legit to me. So then we get to the turtles. So the Russians did send turtles and fruit flies and plants to circle the moon, but it didn't affect the turtles at all. I mean, not, but not, not at all. They lost a little bit of body weight, but they also starved the turtles when? because they wanted them to fast. So when, when the turtles came back, the data was released about the experiment. Neither the Van Allen belts nor the moon, the lunar close radiation, none of that affected the turtles. So that's how they kind of knew it was safe. Russians will release bullshit propaganda. Like Russians aren't above that. Right. You know, I think that we do sometimes, but not as much as Russians. I think Russians are a little more prone to releasing, especially back then. So wouldn't it benefit the Russians to say, officially that the turtles came back horribly mutated in order to throw a monkey wrench into the Americans plans to put money to put men on the moon. Or maybe like if you're the Russians, if you're the Russians and you just sent two turtles into space and they came back and they were fine and you were looking to beat the Americans to the moon, wouldn't you go, Oh, I don't know. These turtles, they, they came back with the uh, ninja weapons and a <laughs> mutated rat and they live in the sewers of New York now and, they're really fucked up. You know what? So better not send the one to the moon. And you know what? No, you're <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. I think that that would have been a smarter play had they wanted to beat us to the moon. Um, but if I were the Russians and I knew we couldn't travel to the moon, like I had evidence that for a fact we would, our people would die getting to the moon then I would probably release the fact that our turtles came back unharmed and, and okay. So that way the Americans would fail. So fail what is very what largely is, going to the moon? <laughs> what, what is, come back. 
You know so, what I mean? Like, like, right. So, 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 the, so they, they get the turtles, the turtles are fucked up. They're mutated. They're like, shit, if we send, if we send the Russians into space, they're going to come back mutated and they're probably going to die from radiation poisoning within a year of them being on the moon. So you're saying, so you're saying that the Americans fucking up a mission would be more important than beating America in the space race. Yep. Absolutely. Because if Americans went to the moon and failed, that would be more of a fucking fuck you to the American. Like that would fuck the Americans up more like them failing all the other things that they've tried to do more so than it would if they actually made it to the moon. Yeah. And the Americans that, knew I, that. So that's why they, I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I just think that's so like every one of these plans is, uh, of yours is so convoluted and so complex. And it's so not. it's just so much easier to do the other thing. It's really not. Now let's get into the cold war hoax. So Dr. Rasavahari states, and you agreed with him, that there was a nuclear uh, race and a space race. Yep. And that the Americans and the Russians conspired with each other and agreed that America would win the space race and Russia would win the nuke race. Now there's no motive for a space race. Correct. There's no motive. There's no reason to go to space now. And there's no reason for all those things you did. Now you've you've eliminated the the entire motive. Like, why would you do that? For the the control and manipulation of of money and power. Now the motive becomes the average conspiracy theory motive, where it's like uh, money, power. Uh, there's no really clear motive. They're all kind of vague, like abstract motives. That's where conspiracy theories fall apart for me. They're like, why would like? There's so much easier ways to do this than faking all this shit. But they're they're hiding a fact from us that we as a civilization just probably cannot comprehend. Okay, there's there is some large secret out there. That, oh, we're getting even more vague. But but that's because there's they've hidden it so fucking well, and they don't give us the proper information to find it. Like it's yeah, this. I think we're going off on a bit of a tangent here. I don't. I don't. I think it's that. That is what they 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 realize like that it's so much more believable to fake a moon landing because to win a space race. But now we've eliminated that. Now, now it's there's a giant secret somewhere. I don't. I don't think it's that a we secret. don't know. I. I don't. I. I don't. I listen. I. I feel that if every single person was left to their own accord and had no rules or regulations or government or some sort of overseeing entity that helps helps to control us in some way. I think that if we were all left to our own accord, it would be fucking chaos and it would be fucking psychotic and it would be fucking stupid. And I feel that there are people out there that have recognized that. And they realize that in order to control this mass fucking civilization of people that we've become, that they have to find a way to control it. Otherwise, it all gets thrown out of balance. Otherwise, you know, there's fucking anarchy in the streets. There's, you know, babies getting raped in Mad Max world. 
You know what I mean? I think okay. that's what yeah. it is. I think that's total horseshit. And let me tell you why. And this is why I think religion and conspiracy theorists have a lot in common. Like, I think religious people think the same thing. I think they think, look, if if there's no God, then we'd just all be rapists and murderers and baby killers. Like, there would be no control. God is the only thing that controls us. And I think you're the same way. You want someone to be in control, even if it's evil, even if it's nasty and underground and and nefarious, they're in control. They're keeping things you know, normalize for everybody. So we, so society doesn't spin off the rails and that's, and you have to believe and you have to have faith in these because there's no evidence for any of this shit. And Ah, and there is, and I think that's where conspiracy theorists and religious people line up. That's where the Venn diagram turns into a circle. So, uh, so the moon buggy, you mentioned the rooster tail scene. Did you watch this rooster tail scene? Uh, yes. Uh, what do you think of that? Do you think that was shot on the moon in one six gravity? No, I think it was shot in a uh, with miniatures inside of a vacuum chamber. How do you fake that dust? Did you look at the dust? Yeah, because the dust comes in waves and it doesn't follow a parabolic arc like Earth dust does, like Earth gravity. It it's like it's like it only the only thing that is kicking up that rooster dust is just the friction from the wheel kicking up the dust there's no air carrying that dust anywhere and it's in weird waves like the wheel turns and just a wave of dust comes out not like on earth when you see like a tail of dust come out you know it's like want 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 like these waves that come out yeah that's because it was inside of a vacuum chamber without the vacuum of there was no air inside the chamber i don't, I don't know that i don't know the um I, I we'll fact check this later but I doubt. Like, I've seen big vacuum chambers, and they're not that big. They don't need to be that big if it was a miniature. Like, you're thinking they got a, a life-size buggy sitting in there, but it could have been a fucking movie. Like, they're, you've seen movies Ugh. that are, that show movie miniatures of cities blowing up, and you you believe that it's a real city blowing up. Like, you, so it now, looks like a so life-size thing. It's a miniature buggy. Inside a vacuum chamber. Oh. They, you still run into one sixth gravity, though. You're still going to have Earth gravity. No, because I think they. Can, if you film it in a in a in a already, vacuum, they've already figured out how to fake that with the with the with them walking around on the moon. They know how Not to fake dust. The gravity. They didn't figure out how to fake dust. Well, they could have through film, through photography, through slowing down the footage or doing something along those lines. And with it being in the vacuum container, even if you did slow down footage, it wouldn't look like that dust did. It wouldn't come off in waves like that, and it would fall in a different arc. Even if you slowed down the footage, I don't know. I've never seen them. I've never seen dust fly around in a, in a vacuum chamber. Maybe that creates the the that look, and they tell you that it's because of the one sixth gravity. There was a whole paper written about it from uh, some Boulder, Colorado students that that did experiments, and on that rooster tail, and they figured out that you could not have filmed that specific rooster tail that you needed a vacuum and you needed one sixth gravity. (laughs) You had to have those two things and those two things aren't available on earth. It might be available in space though. Low earth orbit. Who knows? I don't know. So how did what did they build a set in low earth orbit? (laughs) 
They could have a small set inside <laughs> of a space inside of a small space station. All right, let's move on to Neil Armstrong interviews. You say Neil Armstrong has never done interviews with any news organizations. I found like six just in a short Google search. I didn't really go into print stuff. I just looked at YouTube, uh, but he did print interviews too. He did a print interview in the Cincinnati Inquirer in 2009. He did an interview with the BBC in 1970, right after they got back or shortly after they got back. He did 60 Minutes in 2005. He did one interview for uh, Buffini and Company's Mastermind Summit in 2002. I think his last interview he did for the Certified Practicing Accountants Organization of Australia in 2011. <laughs> I don't get that one. Like, that must have been, like, they must have said, let's call Neil Armstrong. Let's call Neil Armstrong. Let's see if he'll do an interview. He's hot. Because he, it's true that he, it was rare. Like, when you compare it to other astronauts, right. it was a lot more rare. Right. Uh, Buzz Aldrin did a ton of interviews. He was a media whore. Yeah. He'd, he'd play the opening of a drawer. He didn't he drank, care. He'd come he out to that. Kool-Aid. All right. So now let's get into Kubrick and The Shining. So you believe that The Shining was a an attempt by Kubrick to confess to his crimes in the moon landing in a, in a sly and artistic way. Yes. And, you know, not necessarily confess, but kind of put out his perspective of it. Like he... He had to have a way of, of telling people that he was involved, that he couldn't just come out and say, hey, I did this, because nobody would believe him. And he just wanted to, he just wanted to get it out, on, out there in some form or fashion that he believed could be interpreted later and understood, so that way he can come out. You don't think, you don't think people would have believed him? I don't. I don't. I think the majority of people would have called him crazy. There's a documentary called Room 237, and it's all it is is it's about the many different interpretations of The Shining because The Shining is a highly artistic film. One theorist in this documentary claims that it's about the genocide of the American Indian because you can see cans of Calumet tobacco, and they say it was built on an Indian burial ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's tons of American Indian stuff, and they say that. This represents this, the American Indian. This rep- The hotel represents America. Jack going crazy represents like the white man or whatever. There's all kinds of American Indian ones. Right. There's also ones that claims it's about the mythic story of the Minotaur mm. because of the maze. I guess the Minotaur has a labyrinth. Uh, that wasn't in the book. There was no labyrinth in the book. One claim is about the Holocaust. Well, one, one person says that this means this about the Holocaust. Uh, another one says, another one claims this is one of my favorites. If you run the shining backwards and superimpose it over the shining run forward, it has all kinds of other meanings. <laughs> really? And they showed this in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> they showed it. They showed like, they, they, like Danny would be walking into a room, but the room would be like, he'd be walking down the hallway in the forward version, but in the backward version, he'd be walking into a room. Now, I, I, I don't like if you're a Kubrick and you're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> when you run this backwards to superimpose it, it's going to be crazy, man. <laughs> and we got to line all this up just right. <laughs> you heard of spinning the record backwards and hearing devil. Well, I got something that's yeah. going to blow your fucking mind. Hold on <laughs> yeah, to this. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. right. So, so, yeah. So, and, and they say that because in The Shining, there's kind of all these long shots. 
yep. where it just like stays on something for a little too long. Mm-hmm. And there's long like exposures where it goes from one scene to another, but it does it real slowly. Right. And they say that because he did that, that was so it would jive up when it ran backwards. And like the just the way he shot that film was like technologically advanced. Like he shot it in 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 widescape or something like that. Like uh-huh. I, I've seen some of that stuff about about him doing that. Listen, any man that's smart enough to figure out how to fake one six gravity on the Earth and film it from to make it look like it was from the moon is going to be smart enough to get his message across in a, in a very hidden and symbolistic fashion. The thing is, Matt, the only real like thing that ties Kubrick to the moon landings is Danny's Apollo 11 sweater. Like that's the only solid piece of evidence you had. Everything else is just interpretation. It's just artistic interpretation. I would say it's uh, illusory pattern perception. I would say it's a conspiracy theorist looking, because what makes your theory about Kubrick's The Shining right and all those other theories wrong? Maybe maybe all those other theories aren't wrong. Maybe, maybe he was including those theories in his movie as well. Maybe this is uh, an homage to all the information that he received when he got in, indoctrined into that next level of... That's just like the conspiracy. Why would you do that? Why would you make if you're trying to get across your point that that you faked a moon landing, why would you why would it be so convoluted with all this other shit? Because if like if, if I was Because in, all you're doing then, all you're doing then is you're not getting your point across that it was moon landing. You're you're not getting any point across. I would argue that none of these things are real except maybe the Indian shit. I think he intentionally did the Indian stuff. The point of trying to get a secret message out there is to keep it a secret message. Okay. And, but it's also to get the message out. Correct. When the timing is correct, when the opportunity is, when there's more information to help you do that. He didn't have that information at the time. So he had to find a way to create a message that could be interpreted to get the information across that then people could go back and go, Oh, this is what he was trying to say about this. Right, but he still mixed up a ton of other things in there, right? Maybe he didn't mix up a ton of other things. I think he added those things in there as other messages to a future person or future people to Ugh. try and explain why why he did what he had what to do. What a mess. What a mess that movie is. Our whole world's as far a mess, dude. As symbolism goes. Hey. <laughs> But don't you think that don't isn't it more plausible that people are just pulling their own meanings out of this and that none of it was intended? That's so much more plausible. I don't feel that it's more plausible. I feel that it's easier. That's it's kind of how art works. I think it's so much easier to believe what you're being told rather than what you actually know. All right, skinny Matt. So now we have the question, uh, why haven't we been back? And I think that, that like for moon hoaxers, this is a, a wonderful piece of non-evidence. They think that because we, we're, we're not going back to the moon, that we've never been because we're unable to. And I just don't think that's the case. I think that it's, we just don't have the political will anymore. I think 
Your whole opening bit, I think, was correct. I think that there was a space race. I think we won it. You know, we mm-hmm. rubbed it in their face by going over and over. And then we just didn't have the political will. Back then, the NASA budget in 1966, when it was at its highest, was 4.41% of the entire national budget. Uh, that was NASA's portion. In 2020, it was 0.48%. So we're just not we're not throwing a lot of money at space travel because there's not really a reason to. Is it that there's not a reason to? Or is it the fact that they don't want us to get there and find out we never fucking went to begin with? I think it's because we don't have a reason to get there. <laughs> yeah, I think just manned missions into outer space are just not a priority for us. And even uh, Dr. Rasa Vahari said he wasn't a fan of space travel. Now, I personally like space travel. I'm a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he does a bit on space travel that I really like mm-hmm. that really makes you inspired. And it is like, it is inspiring when that thing, when things like that happen. When the moon landings happened, it was a giant deal. It was a big deal. And it kind of brought the world together for a little bit. Yep. You know, and it kind of made everything cool. But to look at that through such a cynical view that people faked it in order to make the world come together in kind of a cool thing. Like, why can't like, you view it through the prism of this was a major scientific achievement instead of, nah, fake? That's it's just so cynical. A, a cynical. It's you're right. It is cynical, but it's the way I feel. Anyhow, uh, there is a bit of news though. There's a bit of news uh, that just happened yesterday. I think. Hmm. So uh, the Artemis One mission is a mission to send people to the moon again. Okay. And we've been working on it for a number of years, and they did a hot fire test. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, where they fire the the engines here in... They fire the engines as long as they would to get into space. Okay. But they do it here on Earth to test it. Okay. It petered out after a minute, and it might have set the mission back a year. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine, imagine that. So point skinny Matt on the Artemis moon mission. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how many I, years have they been have they i read that headline and i'm like oh i'm gonna nail them with this one i was like oh shit because <laughs> we've already fucking been there how hard is it to get back i don't know uh well it's rocket science matt <laughs> rocket science is hard so after all this is over skinny matt do you do you uh do you believe now we went to the moon no I don't believe we went to the moon. Okay. I still believe that it was hoaxed. Well, after all of your, uh, after your wonderful opening bit and after our discussion, I still believe we went to the moon. So no change in minds here today. Nope. Nope. We're both <laughs> stubborn bastards. They're going to stick to our ways. <laughs> all right. I kind of predicted that. I would have won that bet. I think we both would have, actually. I think we both would have won that bet. Vegas is giving that even odds on both sides. No points given. <laughs> Today's show was produced by Andy Morris and Skinny Matt. It was edited by Stanley Motts. Theme music and underscore was written and recorded 
by DJ Flan Delicious with help from Rachel Delgado. We'd like to thank Dr. Ross Bahari for coming on the show. You can learn more at his Facebook group, The Moon Landing Hoax. Also, we'll be posting the full interview at our Patreon page on the Bigfoot tier and above. It was a really fun interview with a really interesting guy. Please check that out. Learn more about this and every episode of Skinny Matt's Tinfoil Hat at our website, www.smtinfoilhat.com. That's S as in skinny, M as in Matt, tinfoilhat.com. We will have all the sources we use for this episode under the episodes tab. And consider becoming one of our exclusive Patreon members at www.patreon.com slash hat where you can get cool perks like early access to our episodes, live Q&As, and merchandise that you can only find at Patreon. Not to mention financially supporting your favorite podcast. The more people that sign up, the more content we can bring you. Also, a very special shout out to our first Patreon member, Noble Jackson from Henderson, Nevada. Thank you, Noble Jackson. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. This is Skinny Matt saying over and out. The older upspring makes young hearts jump. They told wild tales to frighten him.